Hi, welcome to Dialogue Out Loud interviews. My name is Allison Hong Merrill. I am the Personal Voices Editor at Dialogue, a journal of Mormon thought. Today, I'm joined by the winners of Dialogue's Bodies of Christ Writing Contest. We have the author of the winning piece, Times and Seasons, by Margaret Olson Hemming, and we have Press Palms by Caitlin Manali Olson, and we have All Things Both Temporal and Spiritual by Mari Pollard Johnson. Now, let me introduce you a little bit, um, tell you a little bit more about our winners. Margaret is the former editor-in-chief of Exponent 2 and the co-author of the Book of Mormon for the Least of These. She sits on the advisory board for the Center for Latter-day Saint Arts and is currently curating an exhibit on art about Heavenly Mother for the Center Gallery in New York City. She lives in North Carolina with her spouse, three children, in the large vegetable garden. Kaylin is a trained therapist and a budding author. She received an undergraduate degree in English literature from George Washington University in 2008 and a master's degree in marriage and family therapy from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas in 2013. As a complement to her mental health practice, Kaylin blogs at www.behiving.com. Kaylin lives in Auburn, California with her husband and three children. Mari is currently in the MFA program studying creative nonfiction at Brigham Young University. She enjoys running, browsing news bookstores, and anything birthday cake flavored. She lives with her husband and their cat in American Fork, Utah. Margaret, Caitlin, and Mari, welcome. I'm Hi. Hi. <laughs> so nice to have you here with us. Thank you for coming. And to start, I would like to invite each of you to take a minute to read an excerpt from your winning essay, and then we'll discuss your work. And let's start with Margaret. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me here. Um, so I'm going to read a, a section from the middle of my my essay, Times and Seasons, um, which is about uh, my foster children and, and also uh, the garden that I had at the time of um, the time that I had them at my house. Some Mormons tell me that my relationships with my foster children will be forever, even though my husband and I are not sealed to them. They'll recognize you in the eternities, these people say reassuringly. I rather hope that's not true. I like the idea that the children might forget this time in their lives, experiencing God's healing so completely that the memories of this period fade into nothingness. I have no scriptural or prophetic foundation for this, but something whispers its truth to me. Scripture tells us that God forgets our sins completely following repentance, which seems paradoxical for an omniscient being. 
How can a God who knows everything forget large parts of our lives? Similarly, I hope a resurrected soul can retain the wisdom learned from life experiences while not being forced to remember the worst of what happened to them. That would be the kind of impossible equation an endlessly just and merciful divine being might offer. Maybe grace presents the opportunity to leave behind the parts of us that broke us open. Maybe those scars don't have to last forever, marking our bodies and souls with the memories of trauma. I think God loves us enough to allow some things to be temporary and simply pass away into the ether, sloughed away, sloughed off like dead skin cells. Wow. Well, thank you so much for sharing your just insightful, um, profound wisdom. So, Margaret, please uh, tell us a little bit about this piece. What was your inspiration? How did you get, um, you know, how did you get here that you know to start writing this beautiful essay and then ended up winning the contest? Thanks. Um, yeah. So it, it sort of came to me all at once. I'd had a lot of these ideas. I, I think of my garden as. Um, as a holy place, and I often have ideas for sermons while I'm in my garden. And so this essay had been kind of per percolating in my mind for a long time while I was working out there. And um, and when I saw the essay topic about the body of Christ, uh, it just kind of the idea of tying these two things together of of the temporal nature of of plants and the temporal nature of bodies um just kind of came very clearly into my mind and uh, i thought a lot about not how the body of christ is tied to our own bodies and i think it's interesting that all three of these essays explored that idea um, just the reality of bodies and how much Christ cared about bodies in his mortal ministry and um, and the idea of if you've done it to the least of these, if you've cared for the bodies in your midst, then you've done it almost to Christ's body, right? So you've you've served Christ's body. So um, yeah, that's where it it all ties together for me. Wow, that's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. And it also, from what you just said, it reminds me of Mari's piece. There's a little uh, similarity, or at least the theme is very similar. And so we'll get to Mari a little bit later. So, um, Kaylin and Mari, do you have anything to share about uh, Margaret's piece? I mean, it's so beautiful. I love the 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 themes of growth and renewal were really exciting to read um i just i was just really moved and i think it's just really fun you know to hear you talk about it margaret and after reading it hear you read a, a piece of it thanks yeah i i agree it was i loved what you read um it was just so beautiful like the language is just so captivating and and the ideas that you're touching on as well i think it's interesting um this thought of what do we carry through to the resurrection like what what stays with us um how does our body uh play a part in that um 
And, and I also love throughout your piece, there's like this connection between like, um, like feeling in our bodies and the connection between our mind and our bodies. And I, I just, I think, I think that uh, theme is just very uh, insightful. Thank you. Thank you so much for your input. So now let's have um, Kaylin share her excerpt with us, please. Sure. I'm just going to read the opening paragraph. One spring weekend with a six-month-old and a new career, I found myself dipping into depression. My body sore and restless and exhausted. Change the scenery, I told myself, and suggested to my husband that we take our baby to the Grand Canyon for the night. Drive a few hours, get a cheap hotel, see this beautiful cabin neither of us had ever seen, and come home grateful to sleep in our own bed. So we went. We pushed our baby in his stroller along quiet Arizona Street and ate pizza, or was it burgers, and slept in a cheap, clean hotel. We woke the next morning and went to the Grand Canyon. We took photos at its edge and stood in awe, like good tourists, and then began the drive home. We all wore green. It was St. Patrick's Day. I still have those photos. On that drive home, away from the canyon, we were in a head-on collision on a two-lane freeway. I was driving and swerved just enough for our car to be clipped near the back, sending it rolling off the road. Thank you so much, Kaylin. And I really love the opening. I love this um, first paragraph where you describe a very beautiful scene of a family going on vacation to relax, to recharge, but then plot twist. There was a car accident. It was so unexpected. But I just thought from the beginning, you you were able to grab the reader's attention and not let go. And so I thought that was just beautiful, beautiful skill a writer has, you know. And so thank you so much for sharing that thank with you. us. It's very vulnerable too, and I, I appreciate the honesty in your writing. So uh, tell us a little bit about this piece. Um, I uh, It's probably not very smart to ask, where did you get the inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I'll answer it, even though you're you're kind of not asking it kindly. Um, it, I wrote based on the prompt. I thought the prompt for the contest was really easy to write from, and it doesn't happen often for me, but this one did just kind of pour out. But I didn't intend to write about the accident. I opened with, I think it's what ended up being paragraph three was the beginning. And then in editing, went back and restructured. Um, but the accident is something I'd never written about before. And it was 11 years ago, you know? And so I thought maybe, I guess subconsciously, it was time. Wow. So just that was the perfect time to write about this incident. Yeah. You just, yeah. it's just so beautiful, so well done. I especially enjoyed the ending. The, the the last sentence and and I'll read it here. What you know, I just it it stays with me. Sure. The, here you write. We bounce. Okay, we bounce our brains off our skulls. We hold our minds and wrap them around the imperfection of human love. And occasionally we sit calmly, hands in our laps, palms touching. 
watching the world turn upside down. And I I get goosebumps reading these words. It's just so Thank you. powerful, just powerful, powerful words. And that you were able to use the car accident as a metaphor. Right? And it's just, it's beautiful. So thank, thank you. you. And um, Margaret and Mari, do you have any thoughts you would like to share about Caitlin's piece? Yeah, I loved that it, how you um, pulled at unexpected pieces. So you're the, th- you're the therapist, but you're exploring your own mental health and you open with a story of, you know, your own sort of teetering on depression. Well, and then you, you know, you're sort of going back and forth between the 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 people that you treat and then your own sort of fragility. Um, and then as well, in the opening paragraph, the depression feels like the threat, but then it it turns out to be the thing that you did to treat the depression that was, you know, the threat. So all of these kind of unexpected ways of interrogating, um, yeah, what is what is dangerous or what is vulnerable? That was really great. Thank you. Yeah, and I very similar to uh, Margaret. I I love so I am like in the introduction, um, so I'm getting my MFA right now. So I'm very much in the depths of studying essays and creative nonfiction. And your piece is just doing so much of what I love about the genre of an essay where um, it is just very much like an exploration um, and an interrogation of, you know, trying to make sense of what's happened, trying to understand um this really traumatic experience um you know and like you had mentioned like you felt like it was time to address it and it really feels like this really authentic and sincere um trying to come to understand um this thing that's happened to you that's just so difficult um and then um you know in the last sentence it just it feels um like this expansion of, you know, touching these like universal, um, this universal, uh, I don't know, emotion that we have as humans. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I just think you're doing all of the things that I'm studying right now in my program. So I'm very (laughs) impressed by that. Thank you. That's very kind. Thank you, Mari. Yeah, it's beautiful. It could be a, could be included in the textbook. (laughs) I've got a great enough fiction class. Wonderful, wonderful. So now let's have um, Mari share her piece, and then we'll discuss her work. Okay. Um, So I'll just kind of read the ending. Um, Okay. We read in 2 Corinthians that when we are weak, then we are strong. My dysmorphia, both in body and spirit, are what I perceive to be my greatest weakness. And it's hard to know how, as Ether reminds us in the Book of Mormon, this weakness could ever become a strength. And yet it is in our weaknesses that we are compelled to bring Christ into our being. Let him fill our cracks. Let him come unto us. When we are weak, then we are strong, because when we are weak is when we let Christ fill us. Although this does not feel like a cure, to neither my body nor spiritual dysmorphia, it does feel like a balm, a momentary pain reliever, ibuprofen for my aching soul. This relief only lasts momentarily, returning again after meals or or before getting into the shower, 
For when I forget to pray or read scripture or struggle to accept certain words of church leaders, but I try to hold on to these fleeting moments and glorify God in my in both my body and the spirit, which I'm reminded are God's, which to me means that he is in me and through me and I am of him, which makes me consider that even if I can't see it myself, I am filled with some amount of grace and beauty and worthiness and that that is enough. Thank you so much. I really love um, the last paragraph too. And I highlighted this um, this line. It says, I be profane for my aching soul. That is so original, so beautiful. And I just, I love it. It's like, oh, wow. Mari, let me, let me hug you. <laughs> That's so beautiful. And you know, I, I had the same question, as you mentioned in your piece, like in the scripture, it says that when you're weak, that's when you're strong. And I did not understand what that meant until I read that, read your piece. And I thought, oh, yeah, maybe that's the way to look at it. You're right. I I like this interpretation of what it means. And it, it you change my understanding of the scriptures in a way. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Mari, please tell us where um, you got your inspiration for this piece. Yeah, so um, I feel like, so I've been in recovery, like I say in my piece, I've been in recovery for an eating disorder for probably about seven years now, maybe six. Um, and I feel like I got to this point where I think a lot of people with eating disorders kind of get to where you're trying to figure out like why, why you have this thing, like where it's coming from. Um, and so I was at this point and then also at the same time, the pandemic happened and I feel like I was going through kind of like, um, a faith crisis and I, I kind of, and I think a lot of us also went through like a faith transition, um, around that time. But, um, I stumbled upon this the term scrupulosity and I had never really been familiar with it before. Um, I think I found it on Richard Osler's podcast. He, he interviewed someone that had written a book about it and a lot of it really um, resonated with me. And I realized that I, I feel like that kind of started around the same time as my eating disorder did. Um, and I felt very much like this idea of, I see myself morally or spiritually as not like very good, not a good person where my family always, I was always very praised for my faith and for my obedience. And it felt very similar to the way that um, like my body dysmorphia kind of altered my perception of my body um, and that I, I didn't see my body the way other people saw my body and and then I also kind of have this thought of um, the body and the spirit being connected in the soul. And so wondering, you know, kind of how that maps onto each other, um, if there's something that connects like something within the spirit and the body, if they if there's like a way that they kind of have the same I don't want to say disease, but like the same affliction, but it, it manifests in different ways. So it's kind of an exploration of of that idea. Um, and yeah, just kind of trying to figure out what that meant. And I didn't really necessarily want to come to like a solid, like, 
now it's all fixed and I'm solved because Christ in the atonement and the sacrament. But I felt like there was something there um, that, like I said, it, it helps, you know, in those moments. Um, so, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. it came from. That's absolutely beautiful. And I agree with you on so many levels. And thank you so much for sharing your insight and your inspiration. Let's see if uh, Margaret and Kaylin, uh, do you have any thoughts that you would like to share about Mari's work? Yeah, I um, <clears throat> I just really, I mean, I so appreciate the openness. It's really a raw essay at points. And I also really appreciate that there isn't a tidy bow at the end of it. But I do think the inspiration, you know, I find what's inspiring to me is that there is something to grab onto. You know, there you offer these places where we can kind of latch on and there is hope and there is more clarity. And I did, like Allison said, same for me, I was able to make sense of different tenets of the doctrine in ways that couldn't make sense of it before after reading your essays was really helpful for me. And um the writing, of course, is just really, really skilled. And there's one part just where you you bring together that question, like, wait, if I have body dysmorphia, do I have spiritual dysmorphia? And that was that was exciting to me. I, you know, I think you know what I mean. I'm not happy for you, right? You're experiencing this, but just uh, in in the essay, it kind of picked up the pace and built some tension. It was really that was really fun. Thank you. Yeah, I loved the um, the spotlight you put on the importance of examining the not always universality of spiritual practices and how some of them, the need for some of them to be particular. Um, I mean, you particularly looked at fasting and how, um, you know, for some people, fasting is a great spiritual practice. And for you, it's something that is destructive and unhealthy and, you know, hurts your soul and is dangerous. Um, And I think, you know, we often talk about spiritual practices as if they are one size fits all and it was so interesting to get your perspective and think about um you know that spiritual practices may be just as individual as each of our bodies and how do each of these practices affect affect our bodies and how can we use them in the most effective ways for our own individual bodies so that that really got me thinking about my own spiritual practices and am I using them the best way for my own body that's beautiful wow Margaret you're like a luminary (laughs) so thank you so much for sharing your thoughts now um, I have this question for you how do you so this question is for all three of you how do you see your work engage with larger cultural issues in Mormon writing, Mormon studies, or Mormon history? And we'll just, you know, when you're ready, you can just start um, sharing your thoughts. I, I'm not going to 
name you. I, I'll start. I think it's because I'm so new to this writing world. Um, it is so exciting for me to even just like think about making a contribution, right? So even just there, I'm kind of over the moon. Um, and I, and then in a very generally, I, I'm also very excited about how many voices are able to be platformed just because of technology, because of, uh, because of organizations like dialogue, because of all these different places that, you know, have been active for a long time, but between the internet and thousands of podcasts and social media, you know, there's so much being said and I'm just so happy to engage and have some engagement, you know, have that reciprocity. It's really, it's really fun. Um, I agree. I definitely, I also feel very new to this space. Um, and I'm very excited about it. It's been a goal of mine to write something for a dialogue. So that was really exciting. Um, I think, I think the way that I see my, my piece specifically kind of engaging with, um, Mormon studies, Mormon writing, uh, Mormon history, I think is kind of, um, a little bit what we talked about is this. I feel like there's a move away from the very black and white nature that that the church has been very um, invested in. And I think that as a whole, the church is trying to move away from that as well. And, and I think, um, but I think that's historically how um, Mormonism has often worked. And so I think, I think my piece is kind of trying to engage in in that moving into that more gray area where it's it's not so cut and dry, especially with things like mental health um, and the the problems that black and white thinking often brings to a mental health. Um, and and yeah, I don't know. And I think for me also, like I'm very invested in kind of pushing against this idea that our bodies are often seen as evil and like kind of the manifestation of the natural man and we need to um, not give into our hungers. Um, but I think that a higher way to think of it is to work with our bodies and see our bodies as connected to our spirits as our, part of our soul and to nurture and care for our bodies instead of ignoring them or hating them or seeing them as evil. So those are my thoughts. That's great. Yeah. yeah. I just want to second that. I think it's so good. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that is great. Um, yeah, I think that I, my piece has a lot to do with what is, what is the nature of God and what, um, what do we conceive of as eternity? Um, so when I when I think about those questions and the broader Mormon studies um, conversation right now, I think there is a lot about um, the nature of God in the conversations about divine feminine and thinking about how a con concept of the divine feminine might affect um, how we imagine God to be. 
um, or how that affects how we conceive of of Jesus. Um, so it's it's not directly part. You know, I don't mention Heavenly Mother in this um, in this essay, but I do think that if you're if you're thinking about a theology of like what do I think are the most important aspects of the nature of God, um, then how what you imagine God to look like or what you think, you know, is God, um, do you, do you, are you pulled to the verses of God being like a hen who, you know, covers her chicks or are you pulled to the verses of like God holding out a sword of vengeance? Um, that's all very important to, to that conversation. Thank you so much. All of you, I just, I learned so much from you. And so you might not know, I am a convert. I was baptized when I was 15. I was in Taiwan. And at the, oh, this is back in the 1980s. So a long time ago. At the time, um, there were scriptures and they were very limited extracurricular reading materials, meaning like um, all the books that you, you might find in Desert Bookstore. You know, those things were not available to me when I was a a new convert. And so my understandings were all the questions you have in life, you will be able to find the answers in the scriptures, Mm -hmm. the standard work. And that was all it is. And if you you search the scriptures and you pray and you still were confused, you still did not understand, then the problem is me. Mm -hmm. And so... But now today, I I have the privilege of working. I'm sorry. Today, I have the privilege of reading your work, all three of you, and this is like the extracurricular <laughs> uh, reading <laughs> materials that I needed back then because you address important issues, important matters that need to be discussed and need to be talked about, the mental health problems. Uh, I shouldn't say from. Let me restart. Um, you write about important issues that we when restart. Sorry, I keep messing up. Okay, really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because um, all three of you write about important issues and challenges that we face today, and you, you mention mental health. And you mentioned um, divine feminine and all these things I did not get to learn about when I was a newcomer because it's just nobody talked about those things. But I was curious. And so I feel like your work, all three of you, your work is so important and so much needed in today's world. And so I want to just express my appreciation for you, for writing, for sharing, for enlightening your audience. So thank you. I'll that me um move on. great to hear Alison. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So that's um let me ask you all three of you this question. How does your work reflect other values, philosophies, or aspects of your identity? Uh, I, I can answer that for for me. What is most important with 
with my faith um, is how does my faith um, move me to care for the most vulnerable? And um, and how do faith and works come together? Um, and how does that affect how I conceive of God? And so this this piece draws on all three of those questions. Um, my the rest of what I write about is very much on those those issues and um, and the work that I do as a foster parent, which is very much a part of my identity, uh, is is all tied into those issues. I I felt I felt called by God to do foster care work. And then it's led to a lot of inspiration for me about the nature of God. Um, so the spiritual realm for me has been uh, very much tied to my realm, to to my identity as a parent. That's so wonderful. That's just incredibly inspiring. It is, um, it is really moving, Margaret, and it has me reminded of when I went back to school to become a therapist. That, that felt very much like an inspired decision, you know, and a calling from somewhere outside of myself. And, um, you know, mental health is such a, such a big, beautiful beast. It's so expansive. It's so all-encompassing. It affects everything. No one can escape mental health. And I don't even mean necessarily mental health problems, right? But just we all have mental health. And it's connected to our bodies and it's connected to our spirits. And there's just so much to explore there. And I, so this question of what other roles, you know, what other values, my field of marriage and family therapy is a very progressive liberal field. And I've embraced those values wholeheartedly. And in my other work and my other pieces, like my blog or my podcast, I'm really and unapologetically uh, advocating for progress in different realms of church organization and culture and community and so this piece is really quiet you know relatively but my overall um i guess voice you know is it's is really really loud and um it was fun a kind of fun challenge for me given the prompt to come at this from a different angle you know other than just this like really solid mental health lens. They could come at this from this bodies of Christ perspective. And still, of course, you know, it's all about <laughs> mental health altogether some way, one way or another. But it's all it all feels like the same thing. If that makes you know, it's all kind of one and the same. Um sorry, I meant to say that totally makes sense to me. 
Yeah, I love that. I and I I definitely agree. Um like mental health and bodies are just yeah, very connected. Um I think for me I, I don't know, it's it's a really interesting question. I'm I'm grateful for the the question that to kind of reflect on that. Um I think that something that is that I try to do in my writing in general and also in this piece it it was a very um vulnerable piece I feel like to write about a lot of people know about my eating disorder but not necessarily um like where my faith has been at or is at and um dealing with like some scrupulosity um but I think something that I really value in my writing is trying to I guess create a space like a safe space I think that's one of my um I guess just one of my really strong values or um I guess like something I just try to do in all aspects of my life um but I think that sharing and writing this piece I really wanted to open up for other people who maybe have had something similar, like some similar experience, not necessarily, um, you know, to maybe the extremes that I, I've um, experienced, but that they feel themselves that like, oh, I've, I've felt this way before in my face or in my body or um, had similar questions and that they can feel less alone. Um, and so I think that's something that I try to do in general in my writing and um, for sure in this essay. That's wonderful, Mari. I, I'm so grateful that all three of you uh, choose to share your talent and your experience and sharing your stories because the power of words can come that human hearts. And I feel like when, when that happens, that's when, like Mari says, then people won't feel like they're alone in their struggles. And I really, I feel like this is, you know, what you do is sacred work. And so thank you so much. So before we end, I just want to ask you one last question. What are the uh, what are other projects that you're working on? Uh, it could be writing related or any anything else. What are you working on right now? I mean, Mari, you have a huge project. I know. I'm like, this is, I have <laughs> one thing that I've been working on for like a long time. Yeah. So. Um, I'm defending my thesis tomorrow, so I've pretty much been dedicating my entire life to that, especially this past few months, um, just trying to get that ready. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. My, my thesis is, um, a collection of essays that focuses on, um, just like a variety of experiences being a woman. Um, so I'm I'm excited about that. I feel like that's the thing that shows up a lot in my writing. A lot of them are about like the body, um, so very much in alignment with the the contest prompts. So hopefully all goes well tomorrow. Yeah, well keep us posted. First of all, best of luck, and let us know uh, when we can celebrate with you. Okay, we'll all like. I know how to cut it. Bye, Sloan. How about Kenyon and Margaret? 
Oh, so sure. I'll talk about um, my podcast that is being revitalized. It's called Freak on a Leash. The first season is mental health for modern Mormon women. So I talk a lot about scrupulosity, Mari. I talk a lot about uh, family relationships and parenting and I think just the challenges, you know, that can affect mental health for better or for worse as them kind of from millennials and younger, you know, in the church. But of course, for everybody. Anyway, uh, that's a big project, Freak on a Leash. And writing, I have some essays in the work um, that I just kind of go to when I want to and work on them. Wonderful. And I am working on... um, So I've I've published the first two volumes of the Book of Mormon for the least of these, which is co-written with Fatima Saleh. And we are finishing up the third and final volume, which is going to come out later this year. Um, And that's a that's a verse by verse social justice exegesis of the Book of Mormon. And um, and then I am I'm finishing up an article, an academic article, uh, with a friend of mine who is in public health, who studies um, domestic violence and um, and human trafficking. And um, we are doing a piece together about reading the Book of Mormon through a trauma-informed lens. Oh, fun. I can't wait to read that. Yeah, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Wow. All three of you, I hope you keep sharing your stories and keep writing because I want to read everything you write. <laughs> so before we go, let us know, let people know where they can find you uh, or find your work and follow you on social media. Let's start with uh, Margaret. Where, where can people find your work? Or how can they follow you? Um, you know, I don't have many like public. I don't really have a public social media presence. If we're lucky, you know, like ran into you. Um, but you know, BCC press BCC press publishes the Book of Mormon for the least of these, so you can follow them and see when the third volume comes out, and um, and. You know, following dialogue and other Mormon places to publish, that's the best way to see, you know, stuff that I'm doing. Wonderful. Well, we'll do that. Thank you. And how about um, Kaylin? Where can people find you? Um, I'm just like shamelessly all over the internet. Um, Margaret, you need a website at least, but I have a website. It's KaylinOlson.co. Um, my podcast is Freak on a Leash and then Instagram Caitlin Olson Co is where I hang out when it comes to social media nice wonderful everybody follow Caitlin so um, how about Mari um, yeah so I I feel like I still need to kind of establish more of like a public presence um, I am on Instagram, if you would like, I don't really publish a ton about writing quite yet. I need to figure that out. But my Instagram is Mari Pollard. 
Um, I do have some other publications out. I have a few things published in Inscape, which is BYU's creative writing journal. Um, and I also have an essay that will be published sometime in the near future in the normal school. Um, so you can find me there when that gets um, published. But that's all I have right now. I also need some kind of a website. That's like my next my next project, I think, once I'm done with grad school, I'm going to work on getting some kind of a website. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Margaret, Kaylin, and Mari for joining us today and sharing your story and sharing your craft with our dialogue community. It's such a great honor having you here today. And I hope, uh, I hope that you enjoy great success in your future projects. Thank you. Hello, this is Andrew Hall, host of the Dialogue Book Report. Each episode features brilliant minds from the world of Mormon publishing. One thing we like to do is instead of focusing on a single guest, we like to bring in two or more guests who are working in similar fields and put their works in conversation with each other. Recently, we brought in Michael Austin and Stephen Carter, two of the leading cultural commentators of Mormonism in the 21st century, and had them talk about their recent biographies of two of the great minds of the 20th century, Vardis Fisher and Virginia Sorensen. You can subscribe to all of the Dialogue Journal podcasts by going to dialoguejournal.com. And check out all of our past episodes. Dialogue Podcast Network.